Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Sacred Sunday. It is Palm Sunday, and we look so forward to what will be a very holy week leading up to Easter next Sunday. I am so grateful to have on a very dear friend who is also one of the country's foremost ministers and uh, speakers, motivational speakers, um, on the realm of all things spiritual and beautiful. His name is Dr. Michael Brown. He's written several books. And this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, he has an ABC special that will be entitled Every Day is Easter. It's going to be across the country on over 300 stations. So look for the ABC affiliate near you and definitely watch this inspired man and listen to his message because it will truly make you feel like Easter is every day. I'll also have Cindy Grogan on today, and she has a special book for people who've lost their fur babies, and it's called Your Pet Has Died, Now What? And she talks about different instances of being able to get messages from passed away pets. And for all of us who have probably had that experience the comfort that we need during that time and knowing that they're in a good place, that they made it over the Rainbow Bridge is also important. So we're happy to have Cindy on as well. And it's all brought to you today by Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature, fruits and veggies in a capsule by the wonderful family um, who makes the product out in Utah. And it's a variety of 31 fruits and vegetables to bring your health to its optimal state on a daily basis. You can find Balance of Nature at balanceofnature.com. And make sure you put my name, Laura, into the promo code, and that way you'll get 35% off your first preferred order and free shipping always. When we come back, Dr. Michael Brown with Every Day is Easter and his special on ABC on Easter Sunday. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, it must be almost Easter or any time for that matter, because um, I think I did this last year, the same thing. I had on a very dear friend of mine, someone who I think is probably one of my all-time favorite human beings, and he's one of the most beloved motivational speakers and ministers in our country. Dr. Michael Brown, who is an author, as I said, motivational speaker, adjunct professor, and was the senior minister at Marble Collegiate Church in Manhattan, which is where I got to know this fine man and who truly his way of preaching and teaching and and connecting with any type of audience, whether it be from a television show, which he's done, I think, six or seven specials now. He has a brand of positivity. He calls it practical positivity, but it is so imbued with love and kindness, uh, high intellect, and a love for God and Christ. He absolutely humbles me every time he comes on my show. Thank you so much, and happy Easter coming up in just a week from now. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just keep going, Laura. I like this. <laughs> I know. I Once I get started, I'm uh-huh. telling you, because and you keep adding so much to your 
amazing resume that yeah. you know it just keeps getting longer and longer the introduction then we just have to end this the show be, well I'm still- whatever the resume says right up near the top of it should be how honored i am to be on your program and to have been on your program numerous times it's i always feel so privileged so thank you for for having me I still can't believe I, I have the good fortune of this and that you agreed to come on my show years ago, many years ago in Manhattan uh, when I was on in New York on WABC radio. But it's just kind of become a really welcome and beautiful habit. I'm so grateful for it. And I know how busy you are right now. You're traveling the country. You're guest ministering. I guess you're going to be somewhere in beautiful Florida for the for an Easter service or a Palm Sunday service. Um, Sunday service. We'll be here this Sunday. We're in Key Largo, and it really is pretty. It's, it's just a lovely, lovely place. Nice folks. I, I uh, appreciate this opportunity. Oh, my goodness. And it's nice to be at a, at a, a beautiful chapel like this that's not located, for example, at the North Pole. <laughs> you know, oh, Key yeah. Largo is not a bad place to be right now. No, be there over uh, Elkhart, Indiana right now, because it's <laughs> been so chilly, and it's we even had snow yesterday, so it, it doesn't seem to have an end in sight. But you are also doing something really special on Easter Sunday with a, yet another special on TV, an ABC special. And tell us all about Every Day is Easter. Is that the name of it? Every Day is Easter. Yeah, it's it's this year's Easter Sunday uh, service on ABC. Uh, I've done... Um, I think this is just the second Easter service. I've done maybe half a dozen or more Christmas Eve services, but uh, but this is really special. Simply, well, they all are. They all are. But this is really special simply because it's Easter Sunday, and that that is the uh, birthplace of our entire faith. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. We uh, uh, the host church was also in Florida. First Presbyterian Church in Delray Beach, beautiful place. Um, our friend Dr. Doug Hood is the pastor, and very graciously uh, made room for me in, in his church and his pulpit for the Easter Sunday service. So I'm grateful to him and, and ABC for the opportunity, and to the Interfaith Broadcasting Commission for uh, making it happen. I was wondering how does first of all they pick the right guy if you want to see a service that will inspire you and as i said offline just a few minutes ago when you walk into church one way you will absolutely walk out on a whole new level and it's just the most beautiful experience listening to you dr michael brown and so is there i was wondering when there's a lot of famous you know preachers in the country but they keep choosing you i know why because i've sat in your congregation so many times but for people who don't know for abc nbc pbs you you've had many specials you um there's something about what they are seeing in you and your words that they are choosing um for a broad audience all across the united states people are going to be able to see your easter special on easter well uh, thank you i'm I'm humbled really as well as honored that they would choose me uh um, the people at, at Interfaith Broadcasting Commission, it's the chair that is a, a lady named uh, Deborah Goncher Vinick. Um, she has been very gracious across a lot of years asking me if I would do some of these, and ABC and NBC have, uh, have uh, 
also been gracious in, in allowing me to do that. Yeah, it's it's on coast to coast. Right now, it looks like uh, roughly 78% of the television affiliates are carrying it uh, on Easter Sunday. So that's pretty good. Uh, I think uh-huh. it's pretty close to 300 stations or something. And they all choose their own time slot, you know? So, uh-huh. so we've got a lot of... of I think in the South Bend area, it's on at 11 or 1 or so. it's a really I think good you time. said 11 o'clock a.m. 11 a.m., yeah. Um, and in, in con- the Connecticut area, some of them, I think, are carrying it other. But if you're if you get it uh, from ABC in New York City, it's on at 4.30 a.m. So, oh my goodness! Well, yeah. some people get up that early I for guess. Easter because they have Easter uh, like day daybreak services yeah, for Easter in many services. places. Yeah, yes. of course you know, having lived in New York as long as we did, some folks are just coming in about that time. So. That is true. I'm surprised I made it to as many services as I did <laughs> living in New York City. But oh my goodness, how I loved always sitting there and listening to your message. It is one of such great comfort. And you said Thank that someone um, said to you, an, an elderly congregant said to you that you bring so much comfort that she would listen to your CDs at night if she was feeling particularly uh, discouraged or down or couldn't sleep, she would put in your yeah, your tapes to hear not you. Not the greatest compliment to a preacher, though she meant it that way. And <laughs> she said, "I the turbulence of this world gets me so upset, I can't sleep, so I'll put on one of your CDs and I just <laughs> drift right off." Well, that's that's not exactly what you want to hear. Yes. but uh, she meant it nicely. That, uh, yes. I, I, I uh, um. It's exciting to know that people I'll never meet uh, will will we get to worship together, and I get to to uh, speak about the central topic of of Christianity. Um, and you know, Laura, once in a while, I'm sure you get a lot of this is because you have a wide audience. But once in a while, after these, I'll hear from somebody from some place I've never been and will probably never be. Uh, who says that that what I did helped them some, and that's that's so gratifying. It just really is. Well, for people who are hearing you for the very first time right now, if you could tell us a little bit, for, well, a couple of things. I want to talk about every day is Easter, the special coming up, and in fact, what they mean by that, and wh- how you are going to preach to that particular message. But what is it about you, Doctor Brown? I could tell people, but I want you to say in your own words. Kind of your your philosophy and your spirituality behind the way you address people and what it is that you hope to do every time you give a sermon. I think every time I deliver a sermon, there are a few things I want to do. Obviously, I, I want to be faithful to the one who called me to do this, so I, I want to do it well. Uh, I don't mean that from the standpoint of performance, but I mean from the standpoint of authenticity. I, when I when I talk about faith, I want to say what our faith actually teaches. You never want to take the Bible and make it say what you want to say. You know, you just want to be a conduit and say, "Look, here is what it says." Now you do with it what you choose. So that's that's what I try to do is is to be accurate in relating. Here's what 
that whole corpus of Christian faith has to say, you wrestle with it as you choose. Another thing that I try to do in most of my preaching, there are, there are a variety of, of approaches to preaching, um, one of which is primarily pastoral, meaning you uh, are aware that people bring a whole wide variety of pains and problems and burdens uh, on their shoulders. Some hide them better than others. Uh, and I always want to be sensitive to somebody sitting out there. This could be their last stop in a search for hope. And I don't want, I don't want them to wish they had stopped somewhere else. You know, remember Arthur Caliandro, my predecessor at Marble Collegiate, we, we were having lunch once and he made a statement He said, I'm convinced that everyone who walks through the door of Marble Church is broken in some fashion, hoping to be made whole. And uh, uh, I think that sort of describes the human condition. As much as we argue with one another and point fingers at one another and the divide deepens, we have some things in common. and, And one of those things is that if you live long enough, you suffer pain. And you need somebody else to help you bear it or maybe to help you process it. And so that's one of the things I always at least hope to do. You do. You always do. And and it's so interesting to me because you're so incredibly, uh, I mean, you've you've gotten your doctorate or is it two doctorates and, and your master's and you, you went to High Point University and Duke University and you got your doctorates in two other places and and you've written all these books. And so there's a, an element to your theological um, aspect of, of how you, you pastor people. Um, there's, it's so interesting and it's so chock full of understanding of the knowledge and the history of everything behind the board and the Bible. But you have this incredible knack of bringing it right back to, like you said, the human condition to that person sitting there and they you get this feeling whenever I did whenever I would see you that you were speaking right to me like how did you know I was going through this because you're speaking right to it and yet marble church was a huge church I bet there were thousands of congregants in there every Sunday and and yet I think everybody probably felt the same way that you were speaking to them you have this universal ability to go between the the history into just the pure love of Christ and 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 then your just your way of expressing that and i think you know for some a lot of people that i think that's missing for them maybe in their church experience um you know i talk to many people in many walks of faith and they'll say oh it's just not speaking to me anymore or whatever and i'm and i'm thinking to myself how is it possible because the message of christ is so time timeless and so universal even even if you're not a Christian, it's just loving your neighbor and all those beautiful things. So um, there's, there's almost no topic that we go through that Old Testament and New Testament uh, do not deal with and uh, pretty thoroughly. And oftentimes from the standpoint, something you just said, even if you're not a believer, it's still this handbook of profoundly helpful guidance and advice and psychological uh, discernment, uh, it would be a shame for anybody to to waste that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I, I do try, and, and you are so gracious to say maybe once in a while I'll pull it off. Uh, 
I tell I tell my preaching students in the classes that I teach on that that uh, in every sermon, every time you stand up to preach, uh, and 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 they eventually will find out I've told them the truth. There will be what I call a so what moment, which is where the congregation is listening and and subconsciously at least, probably consciously but quietly, they're going to think, so what. Does anything you're saying have to do with me? And if it, if they can't build that bridge between scripture and theology and the life of the person sitting in the pew at that moment, then, then what you're hearing is just a lecture and it tends to get kind of dull after a while. It's got to connect with people. You know, that's why you do it. So, uh, I think Arthur was right, and I've always tried to uh, remind myself that people bring a lot of pains in there, and I hope they go out feeling at least a little comforted. I know they do. They feel a lot comforted. And the last time you were on, you had your new book. It was, I think it was uh, A Long Ago Birth in a Right Now World, was that right. the, the, the yeah. title of it, which was so beautiful. And in fact, my cousin who lives in North Carolina, where you're from, and um, he he's just just such a faith-filled person and his whole family. And he said he got so much out of that message. And I want to know for this one that you're doing for Easter, because I know it's going to resonate the same way. Um, every day is Easter. What does that mean in the way that you are going to approach it on Sunday? All right. Thank you. Um, the The Easter story, the the resurrection story, Whatever happened when those women showed up to embalm Jesus properly, once the Sabbath was over and they were allowed to do that, they got there and uh, the stone had been rolled away. If you've you've traveled in Israel, they still use those stones in front of uh, carved out uh, little caves that are are, uh, uh, used as tombs. Uh, So it had been rolled away and the body they were looking for was not there. each of the Gospels tells the story a little bit differently. You know, some have Jesus showing up in the garden. Some say not so much. Mark doesn't have him show up at all. He just says he was risen. But but whatever happened, everything changed as of that moment. Christianity, which did not exist, suddenly was birthed because of that experience. The resurrection gave birth to everything. There would be no Christianity without it. So since that day, people in our faith have lived under that canopy. You know, everything for us started there, and all of our reality is located there. Uh, uh, Paul, in one of his letters, says uh, if the resurrection didn't happen, then Christians primarily are just people to be pitied, you know, because Hmm. we got everything in our entire life and faith system wrong. So, so my, my point in the sermon is that every single day we live under that canopy, and the major point of it, I don't, I don't give it all away, nobody watch, but the major point of it is that, well, like I talked about building the bridge between scripture, life of Scripture and the life of, of uh, the people sitting in the pews, we are entombed, most of us, by something, you know, and, and pick your tomb. Guilt, greed, grief, anger, fear, self-loathing, depression, loneliness, 
addiction, a long list. Something holds most of us captive. Uh, the Everyday is Easter part says that there, it wasn't just one moment on one day in history 2,000 years ago, but every day, uh, if that story is true, then our stones are rolled away too. Our task is whether or not then to step out of the tomb. You know, the stone has been rolled away for us, that which we could not do for ourselves. Now, do we take whatever steps are needed to emerge from the tomb? And I deal with that a lot in the sermon and how it happens and who is there to help us to take our hand and guide us out of whatever tombs hold us captive. And I don't just mean that in the spiritual sense of God, but also in the sense of uh, um the individuals we meet along the way who are trained in one fashion or another, or who are just kind, who make sure that they hold our hand and lead us out of that, which has been holding us back. Um, so that's sort of the thing, you know, every, every day we have a chance to step out of a tomb and every day, most of us are held captive by something. We just have to identify what it is. Mm-hmm. If you haven't fallen asleep yet, have you, Laura? Is that, is we okay I totally that? haven't. No, I'm absolutely <laughs> riveted because I'm just thinking for myself. I see I'm sitting here and thinking the mind is going like so. So every day and under every circumstance, there is a moment where you can choose resurrection mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because as his image and likeness, then we have the, the same opportunity. And Perfect. he said that he was, you know, we were going to have the opportunity to do what he did because he was going to the father. But now we get to also experience and and do what he did um, in his life. And, and, and that I guess that's the that's the task. And that's also the it's really a challenge, isn't it, to try to remain in that mindset and that beautiful consciousness of the Christ consciousness. It, it's very much it's a challenge to have the courage to take the step. You know, we, we sadly grow comfortable with, and I don't mean pleasantly so, but our reality becomes sometimes that which holds us captive. Uh, There are people who have been bound, for example, by resentment and anger for decades, uh, knowing full well that if we could reach the point of letting that go, of actually forgiving the other person, whether they desire it, whether they deserve it, that's not the issue. If we could finally forgive, then we'd be out from under that burden, which is malignant. It takes all the joy. Uh, Luke Powery is a friend of mine. He's uh, uh, the minister at Duke University. Brilliant guy. And Luke sometimes says, hatred hurts the hater. Mm. You know, so there's a, there's a tomb. I can stay entombed by some resentment for somebody that harmed me years ago. Well, it's not harming them. But it takes the joy and the peace out of my life. Just one example. There are a gazillion of them, but sometimes I think we adapt to our tombs. And it takes a lot of courage uh, to to make whatever steps are necessary to emerge from them. Yes. Oh my goodness! And that's just a snippet of what you will hear when you find Dr. Michael Brown and his special on Easter called "Every Day Is Easter." It's on whatever ABC affiliate that is near you. And if you Google it, probably you will probably find which channel and at what time it's going to air. As, yeah. as we said, you think that it's going to be in South Bend at 11. And um, uh, but in if you're in the Connecticut Greenwich area, 
it would be the New York City listings for the, for the ABC stations there probably. Uh, so set your DVR or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, set yeah. it, set it, and because <laughs> you might be in church at that time, you might be having brunch with the family, or you might be on the Easter egg hunt with the kids. But set or your New DVR. New York City or Philly or some of those, you might be sound asleep. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's hope. But either way, it 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 will be something that you will value and grow from and learn from and cherish, and will help you celebrate the most. What I think is it's my favorite holiday of the year. I love Christmas, too, but Easter, there's something about Easter that just feels so just refreshing and redemptive. And and the possibility of everything in life is is that day. It reminds me that it's all there. And so you do this all the time. You teach this. Your students are so blessed to have you, Dr. Michael Brown. But we get to, in the mainstream, we get to watch you uh, next Sunday where. Ever the, your listings on ABC says it is Easter is every day from that beautiful church in uh, Delray at the Presbyterian Church there. Yeah. Um, and uh, where people can find you um, at your website, perhaps, for your to buy your books and to see other uh, things I'm, that you offer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my website and uh, I have a, <laughs> this is, it sounds so strange. I have a Facebook page that I don't even know how to access. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't operate it. So I don't know what's on there, but I think blogs and stuff. Right. <laughs> Somebody right. else does it for me. That's but, fine. Uh, but, but it's yeah, your words probably. Yeah. Have folks. Um, be in and time. you have wonderful, wonderful books. How many books have you authored now? Is it eight books or something? Maybe yeah, a little more, maybe. Maybe even more. See, and then if you have uh, a son or a daughter who is thinking of studying uh, theology and and religion, uh, you can. Which schools are you teaching at right now? At the moment, uh, I'm teaching undergrad religious studies at High Point University, which is a, a, a wonderful, emerging, growing. They call themselves Premier Life Skills University. It's really a unique thing. You ought to Google it. Uh, and then uh, the, the preaching courses that I mentioned, I teach those through Duke Divinity School. Duke Divinity School. Well, you are the full spectrum uh, preacher and minister, but at the end of the day, you will always be a dear friend. Dr. Michael Brown, I feel so honored. Thank you for all that you do for mankind, because you really do this um, for much higher aspirations of touching and helping and, and guiding and and really just everything for all of us. So Dr. Michael B. Brown is his website, correct? Dr. Dr. Michael B. Brown.com. That's the website. And don't forget Easter Sunday, set your DVR. So you do not miss his special every day is Easter. Happy Easter. Laura, Dr. Thank, thank you. you for having me. I, I reiterate, it is always a privilege and an honor to be with you. You're the best there is at what you do. So, uh, so I, I just feel so complimented to be with you. Thank you so much. I am so humbled, and I thank you. And I love you, and happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. Thanks. Thank you for being on The Way Home. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I'm really excited to have on my show today somebody in a little bit different genre than I've done before, but I have been wanting to have on for years and years is someone who works in the realms of 
pets and your furry babies, your fur babies. My guest is Cindy Grogan, and she has written a wonderful book called Your Pet Has Died. Now what? A Pet Psychic's Tips for Getting Through the Grief. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us on the way home. Thank you, Laura. I'm so glad to be here. I, as I said, boy, I've had every psychic medium on my show over the years, but I've been so interested lately in having a pet psychic. My mother's beloved dog, I've been living with my parents for the past year while my new home, I moved, and my new home has been being renovated, and then it caught on fire, and then it was gutted and renovated again. So for a whole year, I've been living with my parents, and during that time, my mother's beloved little Chorky died, which is a chihuahua Yorkie mix, so a Chorky, and it has been four months now, and she, you mentioned the name, and she just immediately starts to cry. And it's like, she said, I just can't get, I don't even know what's wrong with me. She's like, I can't get over this. What is happening to me? And I honestly have never seen it either, because I don't recall her, you know, crying that much for, you know, our, our dead relatives. So I, I think you have a lot to lend to this, and your book has wonderful tips and stories in it. So tell us, Cindy, where do we even start? Because people love their animals like they are family. So what do we do when they go? How do we get through the grief? Well, the first thing I would, I would say is when they say, oh, it was just a dog. It was just a cat. They are like family. And I've had more clients upset, you know, big giant guys crying their eyes out over the loss of a dog versus the loss of their grandmother. Um, and so when people say, you know, you should, you should get over it, or it's already, you know, it's already been, you know, three months I think people need to put that out of their head because grief has its own timeline. And this kind of goes for people too. But I think because I've just seen the grief so much deeper with animals, I think they need to cut themselves some slack. It's, it's very personal. You might think you've gotten over it. And then you see another dog on the street that looks like the one you lost and you just lose it. So people, you know, there is no timetable. And you should never be feeling bad or weird or why can't I get past it? Because animals, they, they get into our soul in a very specific way. So I would tell your mom, like, she's totally fine. She's cool. Let her, let her grieve. Let her take all the time she needs. It's totally fine. So that would be my first tip. Um, I also would say that, you know, I'm a big believer in the other side. Some people may have different opinions about that. But I also want people to know that when their pet pets cross, they are great. They are in a really happy place. And that should bring some comfort, especially if the pet was very, very sick, very old, really struggling. Um, you know, they're, they're all good. And just knowing that they're in a good place, they're not just sort of floating around in the universe. They are in a good place. They're with other loved ones of yours. And I think my favorite thing as I've learned this is that when we cross, you know, you always hear like, if you saw the movie ghost, you saw, you know, Patrick Swayze walking into that sea of people coming to welcome him. Mm -hmm. Well, my thing that I've learned is that, yeah, your, your, your people are there, but your pets, every pet you've ever loved is also there and they will knock over the humans to get to you first. So the idea of just being covered in your puppies and kittens and any other pet you've loved to me, I, that's lovely. So those two things, I would like people to just know that your pets are fine and it totally is fine for you to grieve as long as you want to or need to. You are not weird. You're just showing your heart. You loved your animal and they loved you. Absolutely. I love that. It's so comforting to think of them as 
going on, being with our loved ones on the other side, and also being in a good place. Um, I, for for people who think that animals maybe take a second uh, second place to humans or whatever, I what I loved in your book is is your your real reverence towards them and what you've learned from doing this work from so for so many years and from also being a huge pet lover yourself is that how high their soul vibration is, how incredibly um, spiritual they are and how, how much more advanced sometimes than even humans can be. Where did you get this information and how do you know it? Um, you know, I, I think that the, the aha moment came to me when I took a class in animal communication and it was very, you know, it was over like a long weekend, but the last day of the class, we were all outside and some of the local people had brought in animals that we were not allowed to interact with. The idea was we were going to do a meditation and then these animals would be sort of walked through our little outdoor space and we would try to get information from them. And then their human owner could corroborate, you know, like what's your favorite toy and that kind of a thing. But somebody brought in a llama and I'd never, I mean, I think I've seen, seen a llama in the zoo, but we're sitting there and we're all doing a meditation and this llama is walking through the rows everybody's very quiet. And the llama stopped and was like leaning down on me. And I'm just thinking, oh dear God, do not let this llama spit on me. Cause you know, llamas have they, notoriously yes. stinky. So I'm sitting there and I'm sort of doing a meditation and I literally felt this llama kind of give me a blessing. It was visceral and I'm not, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not super religious, but it was such a profound moment. And I thought to myself, this this is just beyond anything I've ever experienced. And then when I think about in the bigger picture, how animals just take it, you know, they they will take such abuse from people and still come up to them and, you know, lick their hands. And they just, you know, they they just endure on a level that I don't think a lot of humans do. So the llama was kind of my breakthrough moment. And I have just ever since really viewed animals as superior to us. Um, Yes, they will vomit their breakfast up on the carpet. Yes, they will wake you up at five in the morning like my cat does. But they are mm-hmm. very, they're just, they're just beyond. And the llama moment was, that was the aha moment when I knew like, yeah, we're, we're a little further down the food chain. We'd like to think we're bigger than we are, but we're not. So I think you're absolutely right. I remember um, as you were speaking, I was remembering a time, it was about, I guess, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I had this beautiful, gorgeous, like long haired, like Persian cat that was actually a kitten that I found uh, in the next the restaurant that was next to my house. And he was walking around and then he was in my yard. And lo and behold, I ended up taking him home, asking the shelter if anybody was missing a kitten, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, nobody was. So we named him Thomas and he became part of our family. And he had this penchant for if anybody was drinking a beer, he would knock the beer down and drink the beer. If there was if there was a cup of cream there, he had no interest whatsoever. So he was a beer drinking uh, Persian cat. It was the craziest thing. But when one night I went to church with my daughter, we came home. And when we came home, he was standing by the door and he was looking up intently. And his face was just like he was staring into my soul. I thought, what is going on here? And all of a sudden he walked me to the back of the house, he let out this scream and he was gone. And it was the craziest thing. But I will tell you, 
and the reason I thought of this when you said the Lama giving you a blessing, as I saw him lying down and I could see that he was clearly dying or he died, I felt this, I can only describe it as a hug from him before he transitioned. So he was gone from his little body that was lying in the back of the house, but I felt this hug coming from above. I mean, literally from above. I remember looking up and feeling this embrace, this loving embrace, and that was it. And I thought, if doggone it, if he didn't come and say goodbye after, and, and yet, and also that he waited until I got home from church that night. He didn't pass yeah. while I wasn't there. He waited for me to come home. So amazing. You're right. They are beyond anything we can comprehend. I'm so grateful that the, the stories in your, in your book, your pet has died. Now what a pet psychic's tips from getting through the grief. You've got a lot of different anecdotes in there about how special animals are and truly how, how beyond we even can imagine, you know, them to be. So people come to you then for a psychic reading for their pet as they would a regular psychic. Is that correct? Is that how it happens? Um, Yeah, it's close enough. I mean, basically what happens is when I read a human person, there's a lot of stuff I have to get through my channel, as it were, you know, I'm picking up information and, you know, it's just a lot of yuppity, yuppity, yuppity. I've got to kind of cut through that and get to the essence of what the person is trying to find out. Animals, on the other hand, are incredibly direct. And their, their uh, comments and their conversation is just really short and to the point. So I had to kind of get accustomed to that because I was thinking that they would be telling me, oh, well, my mother does this. And we went here. And it's like perfect example. My sister's cat died. She had two cats. One of the cats died, Alice. Her housemate, Ethel, the two of them had never really gotten along all that well. But when Alice passed, um, when I saw Ethel the next time, I went up to her just to give her a pet and say, and I said to her, you know, out loud, I said, oh, I'm so sorry you lost your friend. And I said, are you, do you miss her? And clear as a bell in my head, I heard, not really, which just cracked <laughs> me up. So it's was, it was just like that. So when, when they, when people come to me for a pet reading and, you know, I do them for living pets too, mostly on behavior issues, et cetera. But I find that the conversations are just very direct. In fact, I say that, you know, for a human reading, I will go as long as an hour, but I don't really need more than like 20 or 30 minutes for an animal because they just get right to the point. So, um, but it's very interesting. And one thing I just want to circle back on that you said when you lost your cat, um, one of the things that I get a lot, people uh, might be, you know, they might feel guilty if uh, the animal passed when they were not there. Um, And I'm just here to tell you that a lot of times animals will actually wait until you're not around because they just need that space to lift out. Um, that's just their thing. It's nothing personal. It's just they just need that space. It could be walking out of a room. It could be going to work. It could be whatever. But that was their choice. Some, like your cat, Laura, you know, knew that you needed to sort of have that moment with them. But I just have had so many clients who felt bad that they were not there when the animal passed. And I just really want them to understand that that's what they wanted. So respect Mm -hmm. that. I think that happens with humans too. I I know a lot of people who say, you know, they flew all the way across the world and then the parent died five minutes before they walked into the room or whatever. And many people have, I've heard from over the years have said, well, that's, they didn't want to pass right in front of you or the opposite. You know, they waited while you flew across the world and then 
literally died two minutes after you got there. So yeah, I think, I think the souls sort of make the decisions and has no bearing on their love or anything like that. It's what they feel, how they can handle it at that moment. I would be interested. Uh, Cindy Grogan is my guest here that she's known as the sensible psychic. And in fact, you can go to her website and find out how to get a pet psychic reading or even a regular reading at thesensiblepsychic.com, thesensiblepsychic.com. But we're talking specifically right now about animal communication. She has a wonderful book, Your Pet Has Died, Now What? A Pet Psychic's Tips for Getting Through the Grief. And so grateful for, for this neat information. Of all the years that you've had readings and stuff, would you say, Cindy, is there an overarching theme that a lot of the animals kind of convey or would you say that no, every animal personality is as varied as human personality, so therefore the messages are always different? Um, how, how, what have you found um, from, from getting all these readings with, with pets and their owners? Well, there's a little book there. Yes, they all have their own personalities. And in fact, I've had some people, you know, want, they want to know, well, if I go and adopt another animal, will my old, you know, will my passed over pet, you know, reincarnate. And that's come up a lot. And I'm like, look, you've got to treat them, every every animal living or past as their own individual selves. So do not just because that dog looks like the one you just lost, doesn't mean that he's back. So I would say, you know, just respect their individuality and what they bring to your life, what you learn from them. But the one thing that I get, which I find so interesting, you know, a lot of people, um, have kind of a hard time wrapping their brains around the, the fact that as spirits, whether human or animal, we do tend to come and go, you know, between the worlds, as it were, you know, people will get mediumistic messages, they will sense the presence of somebody, you know, just off and on, whether in reading or on their birthday or whatever. Animals don't make such a big deal out of it. They come and go through, I call it the pet door of heaven. They come, they come and go all the time. So their idea of death is not like ours. It's not final. They're just like, okay, I just, I'm just in a different place now, but I can still go visit my humans. And, you know, I, I find a lot of times that um, when somebody gets a new pet, the one that's crossed over, their spirit will be around the house to sort of show the new pet the ropes. And you might find your dog or your cat kind of staring off into the distance or, you know, acting a little weird because the old pet is there to kind of break them in, as it were. And that you, you might feel them, you know, curl up around you on the, on the bed, or you might think you hear them in the kitchen. It's just not a big deal. So that, that's the one constant I've gotten from working with animals, especially those who cross is like, you know, why, why are they so sad? I'm still here, you know, and you can still feel me and sense me. And that's the thing I would also say to people if you think you've sensed or seen out of the corner of your eye or heard or felt or anything, don't discount it. People will talk themselves out of it like in a heartbeat. Oh, I'm just imagining it. Oh, I'm just missing, you know, him or whatever. The more that you sort of say, yes, that happened, the stronger that link becomes. And you can still sort of, I mean, we'd all prefer to have them in our, you know, in physical form. But those moments to me are so precious and lovely and I just would say, look, don't doubt yourself to say, oh, that was cool. Thank you. Thank you, you know, Fluff, Fluffy or whatever their name is. <laughs> and allow that link to, to build because it's a comfort. It's a real comfort to know that they are still around and they're still with you. 
and they can, I, I know in your book, you talk about the, the seeing the signs and such. Somebody did tell me once that keep talking to your pet as though they're still here, because as far as they're concerned, they are. That's it's, true. You, what do you think about that? No, that's true. And I, I say that, you know, for both humans and uh, animal spirits, they can hear us. We have a harder time hearing them. That's the tricky part. So people will say, oh, well, you tell my, you know, tell my puppy, I miss him and I love him. It's like, you just did. So I, I, <laughs> yeah. I want them to understand that they hear you and they, they still sense you. And, you know, you don't, I mean, I'm happy to do what I do, but there's a lot of stuff you can do on your own. So. Absolutely. My guest is Cindy Grogan. She's known as the sensible psychic. She does regular readings for humans and she does readings for your fur babies as well who have crossed over. You can find her at the sensible psychic.com and you can also find her book, which is really helpful if um, you've lost a pet recently or in the past and you just want to know more about that connection with them. It's called Your Pet Has Died, Now What? A Pet Psychic's Tips from Getting Through the Grief, a wonderful book. I'm definitely uh, going to let my mom read it because she certainly needs it after uh, losing her little chula this year. And don't go away. You're listening to The Way Home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel inspired by the program today and just want to thank my guests, Dr. Michael Brown and Cindy Grogan. And remember that you can catch Dr. Michael Brown's Easter special on an ABC station near you uh, this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, because it will be an inspirational talk Whenever I've heard any of his sermons or seen his specials, he never fails to uplift at this most sacred time of the year. And speaking of, well, uplifting, we go to Jim Cleefield, our guru of good news, every program to bring us a wonderful story that he has found out on the interweb of life. Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us on Palm Sunday today. What do you have for us? Well, I'm going to take it to Arizona, and it's the story of a woman who went to a Goodwill store, originally wanted to buy a costume for her daughter, but it turned into something very different, and I'll tell you why. Rose Farmer went to the book section there, and all of a sudden, there was an older lady next to her, and the book that she had in her hand fell, and there was a message inside there, and Rose decided to pick that message up, and apparently, it was a message from father to son. From basically what it was read. It basically said, believe Trent. This is the message. Believe Trent. Let's get going. You'll get there. It may be a bumpy road, but you'll get there. If you believe in yourself like I believe in you, you'll get there. That was basically the heart of the message. Dad. That's all it was, right? And she wondered, gee, who did this, where did this message come from? I, I, first of all, she's going to buy the book. She did not buy that costume, apparently. She decided to go on the interweb and go on the town of Gilbert, Arizona's Facebook page to find out who this person was who wrote this message to this son, if he ever got it. Well, something uh, special happened. It really wasn't intended to go this way, but after that post, it got a lot of likes and comments. And if you just take the name out of that, everybody was seeing this message, and they say, boy, this is wonderful, this this love note that he wrote. I mean, you're doing some good for people here. I mean, just like an inspirational message. You know, like sometimes when you go on social or maybe you get a text from a friend, you know, they send you this inspirational message to start your day. I mean, I certainly can relate to that. Well, anyway, it just it, the fact it was just so wonderful. Well, she hasn't found this person, uh, this one who was looking for a trend, but they said, you know, we all feel like a trend when we read that message. Now, we're inspired to do things. 
things. And it just, it just reminds me of something that my dad used to do when he was around. He would send me inspirational messages. Like one, for example, I always quote from him, the only failure in life is the failure to try. I love that. So, I mean, again, she never bought that dress or that costume, but um, as we speak, she's still looking for this person. But the fact that she's done some good for some people, whether she realized this or not, I mean, Rose, it's just a wonderful thing. And again, she bought that book, but that message just, she had to do something about it. So good luck to her. Whether she finds it, we don't know. You never can tell. But just that's really special what she did, inspiring others with that message. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just, boy, you've just brought up all, because my dad just passing four months ago, uh, he had so many words of encouragement over the years, so many. I have found letters from him and cards and sweet things. And he also used to always draw a little face. My father had a beard his entire life, and he always drew this little face with a with a beard on it, a shaggy beard, even though he didn't have a shaggy beard. And it, you always knew it was from dad. And he had the most beautiful handwriting. And those are things to cherish, you know, the good dads in the world, the good moms as well, of course, but who really encourage their children or their friends, their family. It's really what could be better than that. And so I love that story. And Trent and Dad, I hope that one day they find them so that they can get their book back. But in the meantime, thank you, Jimmy Dean, for always bringing us up on a high note. And I wish you all a beautiful Palm Sunday today. And to you, Bob, behind the scenes there. I know that you ring the bells in church. So how did that go this morning? Well, we haven't done that this year. Um, but, oh. you know, I've played other times, just uh, not at this particular season. Well, I say bring back the bells because Bob's on it. Well, that Bob's or we're going to have we're going to have a brass ensemble there. So it'll be it'll be wild. Oh, even more alliteration there. Brass yeah. and bells and Bob. like Bugler's okay. Holiday. I love that one. <laughs> yes. Well, everyone, please have a beautiful Holy Week this week leading up to the ever sacred Easter. Don't forget to set your DVR for Dr. Michael Brown's special Every Day is Easter that will be on your ABC-affiliated station wherever you live in the United States. From all of us to all of you, lots of love from the way home. See you next time. I'm Laura Smith.